that we, you are the one that we set our eyes on, that we set our hearts on. We look, we look to you and you alone. We lift our eyes to the hills, to where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Every other distraction just falls down in your light, in your glory, in your grace. What a privilege to be able to look you face to face, Lord. To be able to enter your presence, to be able to come boldly into your presence. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that we don't have to beg you to be here. We don't have to conjure it up. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to convince you that we're worth being with. You just say to us, come boldly. So God, we come to your table. We feast at your table. We enjoy your presence. We take joy in who you are. We look you in the eyes and say, Lord, thank you for your love. We open our ears and our hearts to what you're saying, to what you're doing. God, you are so kind to us. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in our hearts, in our meeting, in our nation. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. We just take a moment. We're just going to take a moment here and just be in His presence. Just wait on Him. The Word says, They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. There are those in here right now who are feeling completely out of strength. Just wait on Him right now. Just look Jesus in the eyes. God, you are wonderful. Where can we go from your presence? There is nowhere. If we go up to the highest heights, you are there. If we make our bed in the depths, you are there. You have told us that nothing can separate us from your love. Whatever is there that feels like it's separating us from your love, we just bring that to you right now to be dissolved and demolished. And it just grows strangely dim in your light. Thank you, Lord, that you do the work.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you take a seat? Thank you, heaps, guys. I didn't cue them up to play one of my favorite songs ever, but that was quite nice. All right. Hey, everyone. I'm Rob. I'm going to be talking to you this morning, continuing our series through the book of John, which is also one of my favorite books of the Bible, if not my favorite book of the Bible, but it probably depends what day you ask me. Um, And if you've been following along with our little reading plan, we are currently up to John chapters 9 through to 12. Don't worry if you didn't get a chance to read them this week. Maybe go read them at some point today. Um, There's some awesome stuff that happens in those chapters. And of course, we can't unpack all of it. Um, But I'm going to be focusing in on a very well-known section in John 10 uh, and kind of a particular part of that. We're going to be talking today about hearing the voice of God about trying to listen to God, about how in the world that can work in all the noisiness of our world and probably more importantly, the noisiness of our hearts um, and, and all of that stuff that, that goes on. And this is, this is, as with everything else in John, this is shared with us by John so that we may believe. You know, something that's really crucial so that we may believe is that we hear God's voice. And you might be sitting here thinking, yeah, I'm, 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 I find it really easy to hear God's voice. And probably that's not most of you. Probably most of you are going, wow, I, I mean, I've never heard the audible voice. And I find hearing the voice of God to be a really tricky thing. Well, let me tell you, you already hear the voice of God. Because if you follow God, you have heard his voice. We can't come to him unless he speaks to us first, right? So if you have made a decision to follow Jesus, you have already heard Jesus, you just might not quite know how to make that part of your everyday. Um, so we're going to kind of unpack some of those some of those ideas a bit today. But I'm going to start by going back to one of the greatest hits of the Old Testament, one of the greatest hits of the Bible, um, and this comes up regularly here. I mean, we were singing from it last week. Somebody was speaking from it. I think Will was talking about it last week, and the week before it came up as well. And this is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is, you know, it's in the greatest hits of the Bible, most definitely. And it starts off by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters or still waters. He restores my soul. This image of God as the shepherd was really well known to the Jewish people. It came up a whole number of times throughout the Bible. In Genesis 48, verse 15, is the first time we come across it. And this is Jacob, or at this point now, he's called Israel. And and he describes God as the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. Um, There's a number of them in the Psalms. One example, Psalm 95, verse 7, it says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. A bit further through the Bible in Isaiah 40, verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. What a beautiful thing. I mean, you know, that's reassuring for me as a parent that he's going to gently lead me. Uh, Ezekiel 34, verse 31 says, You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. So this was an image that was familiar and was comforting and was just embedded in Jewish life, this idea of God as a shepherd. And this is the context that we are in 
as we come to John 10. So by this point in the Bible, um, Jesus has just done the healing of the blind man with the mud and the spit. You know that one? It's a bit of a weird story. We're not unpacking that one today, but pretty amazing. And Jesus is starting to rile up the Pharisees a bit. They're not quite happy with some of the things that he's doing. He's being a bit controversial. And this passage doesn't help matters. Because he goes on to talk about himself being the good shepherd. This wasn't just a nice image of Jesus as this nice shepherd. This is Jesus going, hey, by the way, that image of God, like that's me. You know how God is your shepherd and you've been talking about that for like hundreds and hundreds of years? Well, now I'm going to turn up and go, I am the shepherd. It'd be like if I got up here in the pulpit and I was like, hi, everyone. I am. Everyone would be like, ooh, whoa, dude's got some serious issues. This is not right. Like, you can't do that, right? Or if I was like, I am the rock, not Jesus. You know, this is what Jesus is doing. He's telling him, I am the good shepherd. Whoa. They weren't happy about this. So if we have a look here at John 10, we're going to unpack a bit of it here. Starting at verse number one. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Excuse me. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to kill and destroy, or steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And he goes on for a little bit longer. And then in verse 27, if we skip further through, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. As Christians, we call ourselves followers of Jesus, right? I follow Jesus. But if we follow Jesus, do we know where he's going? Where are we following him to? How do we know where he's going? When, when he calls us, are, are we aware of it? Or, or, or what's going on there? Basically, he's saying here, if we kind of summarize it, his sheep know his voice. He leads his sheep. And he's going to lead his sheep into a rich and satisfying life. We would go, yeah, I'll take that. But do, how, how are we going to follow him? He's speaking. So the question is, are we listening? And that's a really hard question because we would go, well, I, I want to, I'm trying to, but how do I know if it's him speaking? How do I know if it's him speaking or if it's 
my heart and my desires, or maybe it's the enemy speaking to me and trying to deceive me, or maybe it's last night's pizza kind of messing with my head and giving me ideas, or like there's a lot of noise going on. So, so how do we know? And, and to make you feel a little bit better here, even some of the greatest Christians, although that, you know, that's a flawed idea even in itself, have had difficulty hearing God. Right? Mother Teresa famously had this huge season of not knowing where God was. And it's actually really painful if you read those, those journal entries of hers. It's still like, oh, he's there with you. I want to give you a hug. Like, it's really hard. But, but by the same token, this is normal Christian life. We follow Jesus. And, and, and famous Christians from all sorts of different parts of, and walks of life, from Florence Nightingale to Blaise Pascal, the polymath, to like Eric Liddell, the runner, you know, uh, the poet John Milton, all these people talked really regularly about, God said this to me, God said this to me, God said this. It's like, whoa, do you have this direct line? Like, what's going on here? And that's how I felt when I first kind of came into the Pentecostal charismatic world of Christianity. I felt like all the people around me were on a different, like, spiritual plane to me because they'd talk about God saying something. And I'm like, are they, like, is it like having headphones in and they're, they're hearing God? I mean, maybe some of you get that. I, I know two people in this room who have heard the audible voice of God, but probably most of you haven't. I never have. I've never heard a literal audible voice. I'm like, oh, there he is. Like, I, I, so, so what is, when is it God? And, and how are we meant to know that? Um, I've been reading this, this really great book. <laughs> I wish I came across it actually before I prepared this sermon. I finished preparing this sermon last weekend and then discovered a book. But anyway, um, this amazing guy called Pete Gregg who runs the 24-7 movement of prayer across the earth and pastors a church in England. He's actually in Melbourne at the moment. Um, but I've been reading a book that he wrote, which is basically, it's called Something Along the Lines of Hearing God for Normal People. Um, I strongly recommend it. I haven't finished it yet, but it's really good. You know what I mean though, right? Like hearing God for normal people, because some of the people that tell you that they hear God also then end up in some pretty weird places and they've ended up running cults and all sorts of things, right? If I walk into the hospital and go, God told me to, that they might take me to the psych unit. So, but that's where we are. We're going, yeah, we need to hear God. Pete Gregg said, hearing his voice is not so much a skill we must master as a master, we must meet. Boom. It's not so much a skill we must master, as a master we must meet. He goes on to say, learning to hear God's voice, his word and his whisper is the single most important thing you will ever learn to do. I'm not exaggerating. Hearing God is not peripheral. It is integral to human history. Neither is that it is Neither is it an optional extra for wide-eyed mystics and those who happen to be spiritually inclined. Hearing God is essential to the very purpose for which you and I were made. Because Jesus says, I know my sheep and they know me. My sheep hear my voice. If Jesus in his life only did what he saw his father doing and only said what he heard his father saying, how much more are we going to need to do that? Right? And what makes this harder, I think, today, I mean, it's easy for me to say I haven't lifted, lived at any other point in history, but I think the world's the noisiest it's ever been, right? Noise pollution, we are surrounded by it. In, in, like I was, I was reading about this, I got fascinated just deep diving into stuff like I do. Um, in Europe, more than 20% of people 
live in an area where they're surrounded by road noise that is so detrimental to their health that it actually breaches like World Health Organization guidelines for their physical health. Our bodies don't adapt to noise, so noise exposure increases our risk of high blood pressure, heart disease, strokes, diabetes, dementia. Are you glad we had acoustic worship today? <laughs> it was actually really nice. I, I love the rock and stuff too because that's rock music is kind of my thing, but you know. Anyway, that's totally aside. 18 months after a new airport opened in Munich, a study found that the blood pressure and stress hormone levels of the neighboring children soared. Another study found that the reading scores of sixth graders whose classroom faced a subway track in New York lagged a year behind those students in the quieter classrooms of the same year group. And then the difference disappeared once soundproofing was installed. Noise affects our mood. So one study found that test subjects exposed to noise, even just the gentle white noise, became more aggressive and were then more eager to zap their fellow subjects with electric shocks. <laughs> Maybe that's why my kids fight all the time. There's noise going on. And, and like, my world is noisy. I'm a dad with twin five-year-olds and a two-year-old, so it's never quiet. And I'm a musician, so I contribute to that noise probably way more than my wife would like sometimes. And I'm a music teacher, so not only is my classroom noisy, but I willingly put noisy things into the hands of my students to make them make more noise. Like, what am I doing? And then I'm a bit of a podcast listening addict, so whenever there's any silence, I'm like, I'm going to listen to a podcast. And I'm a verbal processor. So if there's silence, then I just start talking because I'm trying to make sense of the world. Rach knows that she just needs to listen for me to make sense of the world. And, and, and often I, I can't understand what I'm going through until I've had a chance to talk about it. Sorry. <laughs> it's just how it is. So it's never quiet in my world, physically. But it's also very rarely quiet in my heart. How often do we have noisy hearts and noisy minds, right? Mind chatter. It just goes. If you're anything like me, my mind's just chatting away all the time. So trying to hear God in all of this can be really hard. Because I've got God on one hand saying, I'll lead you beside quiet waters. I'm going, that sounds nice. You know, and then that's, that's not the reality that I live in sometimes. So what do we do with all of this? How do we hear God? How can we hear God? It's, it's, it's really, really a challenge. Many of us focus on our inability to hear God, but I think it's really important that we try to focus our attention on God's ability to be heard. Not just our inability to hear. If I'm trying to speak to a classroom of students and I don't think they're hearing me, I will change the way that I'm communicating. If, if they're not hearing me, if they're playing their instruments, I'll speak up. If they're still not getting it, I've got a microphone up the front of my classroom, I'll use that. Because if they're playing instruments, I need that sometimes to get above the noise. If they're still not getting it, I'll move my position. I'll go in front of them to try and catch their eye, try and communicate with them in a way that gets their attention. Do we trust that God knows how to be heard? If you're going, oh, but it's, it's not your inadequacies that are all of the problem here. We just have to be willing. God knows how to be heard. God knows how to be heard. So how can we hear him? What are the ways? We're, 
we can't sum up, like God is infinite. So he can communicate in an infinite number of ways. And if he spoke through a donkey, then I'm not going to try and sum up the ways that God speaks. But we are going to put it to like four main areas this morning. I guess the most common um, ways that, that we can learn to hear God. And the first one, which is our benchmark, which is our yardstick, is that God speaks to us through Scripture. This might be the really obvious one. You're like, well, of course, but of course, we have to go there. right? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed, theonustos, God-breathed out, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We can hear the voice of God by reading Scripture. But it's not a magic book. You know, I used to do the, 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 the you know, youth group activity of sort of flick the Bible open. What's God saying to me today? And then I remember one day doing that and turning it up and he was like, and he will destroy them. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing that again. That was not a good idea. I got the message, God. Um, I don't think that was him. I think that was, anyway. God does speak to us through scripture, but it's not just a magic book full of incantations and spells or something. It doesn't work like that. Just as people can misinterpret what God is saying in their hearts and minds, we can misinterpret what God's saying in the Bible. Hitler did this. Use the Bible to justify things. Scripture needs to be read through the lens of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. It says in the, start, the very start of Hebrews, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. You can kind of sum all that up in the idea that Jesus is what God had to say. He couldn't say it all in a book. So he said it in a person, in a life. And we now read scripture through the lens of that life and that death and that resurrection. The voice of God sounds like Jesus. So that's our first test. What we're hearing, what we're reading, what we're intuiting, does it sound like Jesus? And to work that out, we need to know the sound of the voice of Jesus. I want you to listen to a short excerpt of music. Just listen. Okay, you're like, what's going on? Is it an ad break? No, don't worry. Music teacher here. Okay, now we're going to listen to the same music. Have a little listen. your hand up if you think that music was the same as the first one that we played. Put your hand up if you think it was different. Leave your hand up if you think you know what was different about it. 
Okay, we have a few. That's good. What was different about it? Can someone call it out? Piano was exactly the same. Didn't touch it. The drum was also the same. No, the, the, all, all the rhythmic elements were the same. There was one instrument missing from the second one that wasn't missing from the first one. Yeah? Good. In there. Say it again. Yeah, I removed the bass. There's a bass guitar in the first excerpt. I totally removed it from the second excerpt. That's all I changed. Left everything else totally the same. Now, let's have a listen to the bass guitar on its own, nice and loud. Repetitive. Okay, that's what the bass sounded like in there. Now let's listen to them all back together again with the bass there. Now that you know what you're listening for, did you hear the bass that last time? Yeah. You were listening out for it. What we just did was an exercise in active listening. I do this with students reasonably regularly, trying to teach them how to listen for different things. Because we're always hearing, but we're not always listening. We need to be actively listening. Once you knew what the bass sounded like on its own, you know what you're listening for in the mix. But a lot of the time, we're trying to hear God in the mix, but we haven't heard him on, it, on his own. We don't know what it sounds like. The voice of God can be like the voice of the bass. I like that as a bass player. Um, but we're in the mix. You, most of you, all except one, possibly, or a few shy people, never noticed that it wasn't there. Whether it was added, whether it wasn't. The bass is always one that kids leave out. And adults, apparently. But the voice of God, once we hear it, once we know what it sounds like, it's not so hard to hear in the mix. I'm well acquainted with the sound of the bass because I've spent hours listening to the bass on its own while I had to try and figure out how to play it. So in any song, trying to identify the bass is not hard to do. But if you play me an orchestral piece and ask me to identify the sound of the cor anglais, I need to listen really carefully. I do know what it sounds like, but I'm not super well acquainted with it like I am with the bass. Whereas if you've been playing the core anglais since you were seven, you hear the full orchestra, you're like, there it is. Duh. It's a, it's, it comes with familiarity. It's acquaintance. I have an uncle who can tell me which type of plane is flying overhead without looking at it, which to me makes no sense. It's like some sort of voodoo weirdness. <laughs> but he can hear that and he'll be like, that's a Cessna. I'm like, what? But he's familiar with the sound of it. I can tell you if it sounds like a plane or a helicopter. Familiarity. Do you know the sound of the voice of God? How do we get to know it? Your Bibles, Scripture. Read the words of Jesus. When you know what he sounds like, then when you hear him in the mix, in the noise, you're like, that sounds consistent with what Jesus would say. 
or that would not be consistent with what Jesus would say. Our second way, God speaks to us through others. It's countless times through the Bible. I can't give you all the examples of times that Jesus or God spoke through prophets or apostles or kings or slaves or donkeys or angels, right? And it can be the same for us. Pastors, mentors, parents, friends, strangers, possibly angels. Again, the Bible does mention that we could host angels and not be aware of it. Hi, if there's any angels in here and I haven't known you. Um, Acts 2 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I just got terrified by the idea that if I was preaching in front of an angel, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> um, Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my men's servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit, spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And it tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, that prophecy is edification, exhortation, and encouragement. So if any of you receive that from other people, they could be prophesying the words of God into your life. Sometimes that can be subtle and the person can be completely unaware. The amount of times that Rach has prophesied into my life with an offhand comment that she had no idea was something that I went, I think that was... God actually reminding me of something through that, right? And sometimes it's more obvious. I mean, Rachel and I went to a, a conference well, going back probably six years ago now or something like that, um, a Bill Johnson conference down in Castle Hill. And we walked in and there was this guy who got up, a prophet called Sean Bowles, who I'd never heard of. Um, and we were sitting at the back of a room, about a thousand people. And then he said, um, is there a Rob in here with an October 11th birthday? And I instantly felt kind of sick and then stood up. And then he was like, and is there a Rachel or a Rochelle? And Rach stood up and he was like, are you a teacher? I was like, he was like, music teacher, right? I was like, yep. And then he proceeded to share about a three or four minute prophetic word with us that included a whole lot of other things, including like what year we got married and all sorts of other stuff. It was, uh, I've got the recording of it if you don't believe me. Um, that's really specific and really out there, right? And, and a lot of people... Like, you know, that, yeah. But most of the time, it's subtle. It's little. It's a little thing that, you know, somebody might mention along the way and you go, oh, okay. There was a weight on that. There was an emphasis on that that I felt. But we just have to be awake to it. We just have to be awake. And it takes discernment. You know, I know the voice of my kids. that They start crying. I know which one it is, even if they're all in a dif distant room. And I only know that from time from acquaintance, from hearing it one-on-one -on -one for so long. And I even recognize it when it's recounted by someone else. So if Judah comes up to me and goes, Dad, Mummy said I can have chocolate cake for breakfast. <laughs> I know the sound of Mummy's voice and the words that Mummy says, and I know that that doesn't compute. So we can get this discernment. How many times are people walking around talking about what God's saying? And can you tell, does this sound like Jesus? I mean, half the crazy prophetic stuff coming out of America over the last few years. And you can go, does this sound consistent with Jesus? If you know the sound of, in the metaphor, mummy's voice, then when somebody comes and says, mummy's saying, you can go, I don't think mummy's saying that. Because I know the sound of mummy's voice too. Or in this case, God. <laughs> we hear in community. We discern in community. 
but God can speak to us through others. The next one, God speaks to us through creation, through the created order. It says in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Jesus constantly used parables in creation to reveal truths. You know, plants and seeds and storms and sand and shepherds and sheep and all of this stuff. And I've so often found that when I'm having trouble hearing from God, I just need to get outside. That might sound really simplistic, but I just need to get outside. Sometimes, like, weeding is a really profound thing for some strange reason for me. God speaks to me through weeds and plants and stuff. I don't get it. But my dad's the same. He, he, he likes the garden and it just something about that brings clarity to his mind. And creation can be the stuff God made or the stuff that created people have made. You know, music, art, food, whatever else. God could speak to you through your food. Do you realize that? Just in terms of images and, and metaphors and parables and these sorts of things. But the one I want to spend a little bit more time than, than those three on is that the, 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 the fourth one here, that God speaks to us through the voice of the Spirit. And this is where we get a bit lost and a bit tricky and it all can get a bit doo -doo 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 if we want to let it get that way. But it doesn't need to be that. This is impressions or our imagination or our hearts or our mind's eye, or dreams or what I like to call God incidences, you know, like coincidences where it couldn't have just been a coincidence. And we expect, most of the time, we expect the encounter to be a burning bush moment. The audible voice. That's not what we get most of the time. 1 Kings 19 has a really good example of this. It says, this is God talking um, to Elijah. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? His voice was in the still, small voice. The amount of times that Jesus says in the Gospels and in Revelation, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. The still small voice. When young Samuel heard the voice of Eli, uh, sorry, heard the voice of God, Eli didn't hear it. When Daniel saw a vision of the man by the tigress, he, he said that he alone saw the vision. The people who were with him did not see the vision. And he even said that the other visions he received passed through his mind. So this wasn't him walking around and suddenly a movie screen flashes up and everyone's like, whoa, vision from God. Or it wasn't Samuel sitting there and this booming voice comes in. No. It was private. It was internal. Do you know God likes your mind? He made it. God actually loves your mind and can use it to speak to you. When he says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, he doesn't say be transformed by the removal of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. We need to be okay with the idea that God actually loves our mind and will speak to us through it. We can sometimes think of anything that happens in our imagination, that's sort of like a whoa word, as inauthentic or deceptive. 
and it can be, but it's where all of our thinking comes from. And we don't think of all of our ideas as bad. But do you know, ancient people did not equate the imagination with make-believe. But rather as, and this is a quote, as a means through which God would communicate with his people. Your imagination is a gift from God. Just as everything else in your heart and mind and body is a gift from God. God loves your mind. The, the best example I can think of this for, from, from my life is when I started coming into, again, kind of the Pentecostal charismatic world, and I felt like everyone else was on this other spiritual plane that I wasn't on. I was going down with some friends to lead worship at a little midweek meeting we had down at Concord. Um, Rach wasn't there that one, but there were some other friends. And they were talking about, what's God saying to you about tonight? And I was like, uh, he loves everyone. Like, I don't know, that's safe. I don't know. And I was like, God, I really want you to speak to me. I want you to tell me something like profound. And then I'll be able to share that with people. And that'll be, you know, amazing. And all that kept coming to my mind was Isaiah 40, 31. I was reminded this a couple of weeks ago, talking to Rach Russell. I remembered the story. I went, that's really boring. Isaiah 40, 31, that's like the, you know, the weight on the Lord, renew their strength, they'll rise on winds like eagles. It's like the stereotypical Kurong poster verse, right? I was like, of course that's going to come to mind. Boring. And our pastor had been preaching from it a couple of weeks ago, so like it's probably just in my mind, lame. And then during the worship, our pastor, like good friend of Rachel and mine still, but he's, he just says whatever he thinks. And during the worship, he leaned forward and he was like, Robbie, you've got something on your heart. You need to sing it out. And I was like, no. He's like, God's talking to me. And I was like, oh. And all that was in my mind, I'm like, God, what are you saying? And it was Isaiah 40, 31 was all that was going through my head. And I'm like, I'm not saying that because that's just like, that's just me. That's just so cliche. It can't be right. And he was like, Robbie, sing it out. I was like, mm-mm. He's like, Robbie, sing it out. I was like, mm-mm. He's saying this from the front row, right? <laughs> I'm like, mm-mm. I'm just doing my backing vocals and sticking to my part. And so I didn't. And then... At the end of the service, the whole thing finished. It went fine. I was talking to this dude at the end who was from Israel and he was telling me a bit of his life story. It was interesting. I'd never seen him before and I've never seen him again. And then as we were finishing up, he said, you know, catch you later. And then he walked back over to me and he went, by the way, I just feel like God wants me to say to you, Isaiah 40, 31. Anyway, have a good night. And then he walked off and I was like, oh. And the whole thing was God just saying to me, thinking, that knowing, that hearing that you're doing, that's me. Like I'm in that. Right? Just ask God. And no matter how simple or plain or boring or whatever it is, it could really be Him. And if it's, here's our two little tests, right? We'll pop this on the screen, please, Kurt. Number one, does it sound like Jesus? And number two, does it lead to the fruits of the Spirit? Run it through these two tests. Does it sound like Jesus? Is it consistent with the teaching of Jesus? Is it consistent with the voice of Jesus? And number two, does it lead to the fruits of the Spirit? With these two tests, it means if you get it wrong, the very worst that you could do is something that helps to grow the kingdom of God. But if you act on it and it's right, you are listening and following God and you have no idea how powerful that could be.
I don't know if what I sung out, what I should have sung out that night, might have spoken into the hearts of other people in the congregation who needed to hear that. I didn't. But I wonder where that obedience could have taken me. We have to be obedient. A lot of our, oh, I think it's just me, is actually disguised disobedience. We have to be obedient to his voice. When God speaks to us today, he does it not to add to biblical revelation. So don't be freaked out about that, but to apply it. That's what he's speaking to us about. We're not adding to scripture. But that book doesn't have every application for whether you should move to Warramoo or Falkenbridge. It's not going to tell you that. But God can. So how can we apply that? So I want to give you a few really simple steps here for practicing hearing the voice of God. Number one, get aside with Jesus. Put your phone away. Get a piece of paper and a pen. You might have, in my house, I have to go for a walk to get aside with Jesus because it doesn't happen at home. Not quietly anyway. This is about getting familiar with his voice. Number two, ask him to speak and then listen. It can be a really short time. doesn't matter. Don't put expectations on the experience. Just let God speak however he wants and you just write whatever thoughts, ideas, pictures, words come to your mind. You're not worrying about filtering them all. It might be pictures. It might be visions. It might be just kind of a gut feeling knowing in your knower. You know? Then discern what you've heard. Read through it and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what might be from God. Some of the pictures or thoughts might be totally unrelated. And you're like, nope, nope, that's fine. That's okay. It's practice. But compare what you've heard to those two little tests, to how God reveals himself through Scripture. Does it sound like Jesus? Does it lead to the fruits of the Spirit? Maybe discuss it with someone else you trust. If I feel like I've heard God say something, one of the first things I'll do, if it's kind of a, a bigger thing, not just God telling me something simple like that he loves me and you know things about my day, I'll say to Rach, I feel like maybe God has said this to me. What do you reckon? Talk it over. Then, the hard bit, act on it. Maybe what you've heard doesn't really require an action. It might be as simple as God just telling you that he loves you and you need to know that. But maybe it's a prompting to pray. Maybe it's a prompting to encourage someone else. Maybe it's a prompting to move to Beirut. Probably not, but could be. And then we do it again. And we do it again. And we do it again. And the more we do it, the more obvious and clear his voice becomes. If we only seek him in a moment of desperation, it's probably not going to be all that effective. <laughs> you know, the irony of all of this, I'm up here talking about this. And by the way, I'd, like I'm also preaching to myself. This is a constant, not battle, but a constant um, journey, right, of learning to hear God. This week, I found it really hard. A few weeks ago, really easy. But this week has been really hard to hear from God. Probably because I'm up here speaking about this. My heart has been noisy as the stuff in Israel and Gaza, the referendum yesterday, some stuff going on in my own health. 
just my heart has been really noisy. It's been hard to hear from God. It's like, okay, I'll go back to Scripture. But then other times, it's a lot easier. But it just comes with practice. Sean Bolts, who shared that crazy prophetic word with us, he just started by practicing little things, putting them into practice, feeling like sharing the most simple things. Like, hey, Steve, I feel like God said to me that he sees you as being steadfast and strong. If I felt like God asked me to share that with someone, most of the time I'd probably go, that's probably not a prophetic word. That's as simple and plain as anything. But we've got to start somewhere. And you just step it out. I've never shared people's birth dates with them. I've never had that sort of clarity, but I'm guessing that just would be a familiarity and time thing. So what I want us to do this morning, before we're just going to finish off with a little bit of worship, we are going to just spend a couple of minutes... We struggled to do this. A couple of minutes in stillness. Clive's going to play some beautiful music, which is what Clive does. And we're just going to listen. And we're going to ask God to speak to us. Now, I have no idea how he might speak to us. You might get little pictures just sort of run through your imagination. It might be just a word that seems to plant in your mind. An old Bible verse you used to know from when you were a kid that just sort of comes back out of nowhere. A song. A feeling. Just a weight of somebody that you're concerned about and you're like, I just need to connect with them. We're just going to sit on that for a little bit. It could be something really simple. It could just be God reminding you how he feels about you. So let's just take a moment. You can position yourself however however you want. If you want to open up your arms, you can. If you want to just sit there quietly, you can. If you want to close your eyes, you can. But Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. And that you have said that your sheep hear your voice. So Lord, we ask that you would speak to us right now. We just open our hearts and our minds to listen to your voice. We acknowledge that you love us and that it's an act of worship for us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we ask that you just bring some thoughts, ideas, pictures, words, songs, whatever, to our minds that we need to hear for us or for our world. And we just wait on you now.
You might have found that really tricky or God might have spoken really clearly to you. But all I would say is don't finish that conversation there. Keep talking. Keep listening. He has promised that he is our good shepherd and that we will hear his voice. So we're just going to spend a little bit of time worshipping here to close. Take it away, guys.